0: Welcome to the Big Leads Press Pass Podcast. I'm your host, Liam McEwen, and today with us we have Will Gillery from The Athletic, the Pelicans writer. Will, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Oh, I appreciate you for having me.
0: No, thank you. As <clears throat> and as always, we'll just get started right away here, Will. Uh, In your own words, kind of just share with us how you got to where you are with The Athletic from when you first realized that you wanted to be in this industry to kind of how you got there and how you ended up here.
1: Yeah, I would say my uh, really commitment to really chasing, you know, becoming a a sports father probably happened, you know, the end of my high school career, going into college. Mm -hmm. Uh, I kind of had it on my mind and I wanted to start pursuing it. And I really started pursuing it probably, you know, midway through my college career with the whole writing for the school newspaper thing. And after I graduated, I spent a couple of years uh, freelancing with a local newspaper in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And then I got hired uh, to be the Tulane beat writer at uh, the times pick dot noah.com. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, this is the paper that I grew up on reading, you know, they covered all of of the huge things, games that I remember in my childhood, you know, them winning the Super Bowl, all that good stuff. So, you know, getting hired there was like, you know, a a highlight of my life, you know, for sure. And my first real job was at the times pick I was hired there to be the uh, the two-lane beat writer, and I was the number two guy on the Pelicans beat. Uh, So I got there, I covered a full season of two-lane football, and then once we got to, to the basketball season, uh, our Pelicans beat rider John Reed at the time was uh his father got sick so he he ended up having to leave time to take care of his dad and and they threw me on the Pelicans beat so uh, I started taking on the Pelicans beat full time and that turned out to be the year that they traded for Demarcus Cousins <laughs> so uh, you know I, I out of nowhere I get thrown on the Pelicans beat and you know the All Star games in New Orleans and they trade for Demarcus Cousins one of the biggest trades of the the year. You know, uh, now, you know, the Pelicans beat is kind of, you know, went from second tier to now. They've got two all-stars, so we need to take this seriously. I ended up getting the Pelicans job full-time at that point. Uh, I spent one more year at NOLA.com, and then I moved on uh, to the athletic game. You know, they sold me on a great opportunity to uh, join a company that I felt like, you know, had a really bright future. So, you know, I I jumped at it, and now I'm in my second year, and I'm loving it. I, I really... Uh, I can't say enough about the people I'm working with here, the writers, you know, the editors. Man, I think we got an all star cast over here. And, and it's been a, a great two years for sure.
0: Definitely. Yeah, I've talked to a couple of your co workers, all very talented individuals, and they've said similar things about the uh, cast that the Athletic puts around their writers. The editors and everybody is uh, really, according to you guys, really outstanding there. And I can't help but take you at your word for it. A um, couple of questions about your journey here, though. Starting off, freelancing is a little bit of a tough gig right out of college there. What did that kind of teach you about the the job that you found to be useful later on?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just a, the hard work. Uh, I just remember, you know, somebody telling me early on, man, you just can't say no. And I think that's a, the one thing that I, I think people ended up noticing with me is that I was just doing everything. Uh, I remember I, I covered uh, horse racing at the Advocate. I covered, you know, high school wrestling tournaments. I did track. I, what you name it yeah. on the freelance. You know, the Advocate was just a newspaper that was coming up looking for writers. So I, I remember just hitting up uh, my guy Rod Walker, who was the, the high school sports editor at the time. I'll just hit him up all the time and be like, Yo, what you need? Yeah. What we doing this weekend? <laughs> what games I'm going to? And, and, and man, just the grind. I just mean like whatever it is, you know, I'll do it because I just wanted to have my name in the paper. I wanted to be noticed. And I think that's a, when one. A lot of young writers reach out to me. That's the first thing I say. You mm-hmm. gotta prove that you're willing to put in the work. Because uh, more than I think, a lot of times people want to see, you know, you're willing to work. Maybe even more than, are you willing to write a really great article? Because you're coming mm-hmm. in most of the time. You're writing gamers. You're writing these little simple stories. But it's about, are you actually gonna show up and get it done? And can we depend on you? And I think being able to prove that early on in my career was able to set a baseline to help me, you know, in my next opportunities
0: yeah absolutely that being able to you know like i said it's a little bit of a tough gig to start off but especially if you have the mindset that you're just out there busting it then that definitely gets you a long way was there any um of those like strange beats that you did when you were freelancing was there any that you look back on especially fondly like a favorite weird story that you had to do
1: oh a favorite weird story um i don't know that's a good one i, I do remember just enjoying uh, as weird as it sounds uh Going to uh, the the racetrack, you know, every kind of, every now and then. We did probably like three or four stories. I, I didn't, I, just, I didn't like understand it at all. Didn't know any of the names or <laughs> who I should be writing for. Uh, but it, just going out to the the track the day of the races, it was pretty cool just to see the faces and the the event. You know, it's weird, you know, going to stuff where you you've never been involved before and you got to step into this whole different world. I think that was pretty cool for a guy just trying to figure out how to write
0: yeah definitely it's uh the horse racing community is sort of like a weird niche one in society and you're actually the first guy that i've talked to who's like actively covered well actively freelance gig but actively covered that so i just find it interesting did you pivot any of that knowledge into some uh, money gambling (laughs)
1: I did not. I, I did go a couple times with a, a few of my buddies from the Pelicans. They they loved off the track uh, for sure, but I, I never did get into the gambling. Uh, that just wasn't me. I, I was just there enjoying the food, man. The food at the racetrack, that's another thing I learned about there. They, they're doing it right over there.
0: <laughs> that might be a New Orleans thing more than a racetrack thing. Uh,
1: that, 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 that's probably true.
0: <laughs> uh, so, yeah, then you ended up covering two lane. Had you like, written a lot about football before? Was that a little bit of a transition for you after working, uh, covering it? I don't know if you covered it at school or...
1: Yeah, I mean, I I did... The funny thing, my first football experience with covering football was uh, at UNO. They had a club football team, so I did that uh, for the the school newspaper, which was really weird, covering, like, the the beginning of the club football team at UNO, but I I did a lot of uh, high school football, you know, down in New Orleans. Of course, high school football is a huge thing, Uh, You know, I ended up covering a couple guys that ended up going to the NFL. And so, uh, I mean, you know, Fridays and Saturdays in New Orleans are all about, you know, high school football. So I did a lot of high school. uh, But Tulane was my first time actually having a beat. You know, I was responsible for going to practice every day, you know, getting sources, uh, just just covering the team. And that's where I really learned how to, you know, that was my first opportunity to really – okay, if I'm a guy that's a Tulane fan, how would I want to see this team covered? And I think when you're freelancing, you're just jumping in, writing a story, and I'm jumping out, you know what I mean? And, but with Tulane beat, I had to learn how to really cover this team in a way that'll make a Tulane fan. So, yeah, I want to go see what Will Gillard is talking about if I want to learn about Tulane. And I think I, I eventually learned that, especially later in my Tulane career, I got, you know, real comfortable with people within that administration. You know, that was a new coaching staff that came in Willie Fritz, my guy, and, you know, his son, Wes Fritz, and that whole staff. And that was really interesting, just learning how to cover a beat. I I think that's much different than just being a writer that just writes about everything. When this is your team to cover, it's a different experience. And I think it was a really good learning experience for me.
0: Yeah, definitely. The difference in being the beat guy versus even just covering a sport in general is pretty substantial. And it sounds like the Tulane experience for you was definitely formative in that regard. Did you have to? Were you doing? Uh, were you doing Tulane and Pelicans right off the bat? There.
1: Yeah, I started off with uh, Tulane football, so you know that started like around August, September, and then leading up to the Pelican season. I covered. I was basically. Uh, My role was I would go in, you know, for the big game. So when LeBron would come into town and when Kobe comes into town, you know, when we have a – you're probably going to run a second story. I'm going to do something like that. But I'm not just going to every game. So I ended up going to the first game of the season, and then John Reed ended up leaving right after that. So from that point on, I was the Pelicans guy. I was going to just the Pelicans games, you know, whenever they play games in in New Orleans. And and then once they traded for Boogie, that's when I was – Really committed to getting to practice every day, and they started sending me on the road and all that, which is a whole different experience for me. So, uh, yeah, it just kind of came out of nowhere. I went from the two lane guy to yeah, you're on the Pelicans beat now.
0: Well, oh, that's a bit of a sudden transition <laughs> to be sure. Uh, did we, <laughs> yeah, it was wild. Did you always want to write basketball as a main beat, or did you have a different beat in mind, or was there ever? Oh,
1: absolutely. I mean, i been a die hard NBA fan my whole life for sure. I was. You know, living and dying with the Chris Paul Hornets and D-West and, and, you know, the Crescent City Connection and all of that. So, yeah, I, I've been an NBA game, NBA guy my whole life. Yeah, that was my intention, you know, getting into sports was either NFL or NBA. But, you know, NBA was definitely the one I was leaning to just because that's a sport, I, you know, I love so much. I hoop, you know, on weekends and stuff like that. So, uh, I mean, I just love the game. And I love to just be, you know, be able to say I I go to work and I watch basketball games all the time. Like, that's pretty cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's not too shabby. Similar reason for a lot of the re- similar reason a lot of us got in the business. I'm sure watching basketball and sports for work uh, could be a lot worse, right?
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: So then you ended up pel- uh, working Pelicans. What you said, you know, you said you liked what The Athletic was doing. You felt it was a really good up-and-coming organization. But was there anything else in particular that really stuck out to you when they reached out to you and wanted to see if you uh, wanted to join the team?
1: Yeah, I, I thought it was just an opportunity to, to kind of expand uh, my reach. You know, as a writer, uh, I think, you know, writing for a local newspaper is really important. Like I said, a learning experience, figuring out how to run your own beat, uh, being able to, you know, develop relationships within a newspaper. But, you know, at a certain point, uh, I didn't want to be localized. Not to, you know, speak down on newspapers, because I love what newspapers do around the country. And I think we should support them more often. But I think the opportunity to work at The Athletic, I felt like they were an organization that was growing really fast. And I really loved the people that were working there. I developed a relationship with people like, you know, Marcus Thompson and all of those guys. And, and I, I just felt like going to The Athletic, it gave me a chance to really, you know, spread my wings and get to uh, reach a market that was bigger than just the New Orleans fan base. And, you know, I love my New Orleans people, and I'm from New Orleans, so I'm always going to speak to New Orleans. But I wanted to, you know, be able to speak to uh, people around the country, and I feel like the athletic gives you a unique opportunity to have a, a beat like you do at a newspaper, but also be able to reach around the country and out, you know, around the world with the, you know, the expanded readership you've been able to you know, reach.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and I think that they've been able to do that really successfully. So then you joined the Athletic, and then you had your first year on the beat, and then Zion Williamson shows up. So what (laughs) what was your reaction when you were in the press room or wherever you were watching those lottery balls fall, figuratively speaking?
1: Yeah, I was lucky enough to be in the room in Chicago. That was actually my first time in Chicago going to uh, watch the – the lottery for Zion, and I just remember sitting, you know, in between uh, Andrew Lopez, who at the time was the NOLA.com, com and now. he worked at ESPN, and I was sitting next to uh, Jim Eichenhofer, who works for Pelicans.com, and, and I just kind of put my arms around him, and I was like, here we go, guys, when it came to the <laughs> final three, I was like, our lives <laughs> up on the change, and three, two, one, and bam, it happened, and, and man, it was a surreal night, one of the craziest nights of my entire life, I, I never expected it to ever happen, I mean, You got to remember, I was the guy coming off of covering the Pelicans. My first two years covering the Pelicans, they traded for DeMarcus Cousins, then he tears his Achilles, and the year after that, DeMarcus Cousins leaves, and then Anthony Davis demands a trade so he can leave, and he gets traded to the Lakers. So, I I mean, I was covering a franchise that was down and out. Uh, The fan base was just, (laughs) you know, depressed. They felt like the the franchise had a long way to go before they could rebound, and then you get this Zion Williamson just gift and he just drops on you and it changes your entire life. And I I think that's a lot of writers that night came up to me and said, man, uh, your life is about to change a lot. When you get somebody like that, that you should be covering and you jump in so early in his career. I I mean, that's what's been really interesting, seeing him at such a young age and knowing he's got so much ahead of him. Uh, And it's been really cool to just be able to see I was there for year one of that journey.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it all it is. I mean, I can't even imagine the feeling as a beat writer when you, you know, like you said, you go from kind of a pretty tough year to be a Pelicans fan. And then suddenly, you know, somebody the biggest prospect to come out of the draft, maybe since LeBron James shows up on your doorstep completely unexpectedly. It wasn't like the Pelicans had top three odds or anything like that. How has your life changed in the months since Zion has (laughs) has showed up?
1: Yeah, I'm doing a lot more interviews like this. You know, <laughs> the phone the, the phone is blowing up a little bit more. I'm doing radio a lot more. I'm, I'm on TV. My mom and fans can see me on TV more often now. Uh, but man, I think just being uh, being able to just to, to see some of these crowds and man, I I remember just the the end of that Anthony Davis experience and just how empty the Smoothie King Center was on certain nights. And just you know, remember, I'm a guy from New Orleans. I, I used to go to the the and what it was then, the New Orleans Arena to watch the the Hornets and Chris Paul. I used to love this team, and and I know how much this city loved basketball, and just to see how much they were done with everything that had to do with this team once AD did what he did, and just to be able to see how the entire country is reacting to this guy. I was fortunate enough to touch a whole bunch of different NBA cities this year, and it's crazy uh, just the way kids come out and, and you know the, the the stadiums are packed. Yeah, just for this guy, and uh, it's wild to think, you know, he's just really getting started, and we haven't even seen him do, you know, anything great in the playoffs yet, or, you know, go for an MVP or anything, or play in his first All-Star game. And I just think the star power he has is something I I, I, I I knew was there, but just to be able to see it, uh, it's a different experience.
0: Yeah, it is. Definitely a much different experience. And that kind of leads us right into a nice little segue to chat a little bit about the Pelicans and the upcoming NBA restart. Uh, First and foremost, the NBA did uh, release that list of uh, different uh, causes that players can put on the back of their jerseys and other ways that they can help promote social change and social justice while down in Orlando in the bubble How do you see the Pelicans players kind of utilizing the rules the NBA has put forth to get the messages out that they want to send?
1: Yeah, we've asked a few guys uh, for the Pelicans, what they they planned on doing with that, and pretty much all of them said they wanted to to, uh, put something on their jersey. Uh, Lonzo Ball said he submitted already a form to the NBA to have either equality uh, was his first choice or his second choice is Black Lives Matter uh, on the back of his jersey. And I think we're probably going to see the majority – other team utilize that to try to send some type of message. I, I think they've been pretty strong and, and what they've been wanting to do, is kind of spreading that message and show that they're on the side of everybody, really just, you know, supporting the black lives matter movement and, and everything that's connected to it. So I think we're going to see the team do that. And probably a, a, a couple of few other things once they get to Orlando, along with, you know, probably everybody else in the NBA, I feel like, you know, a lot of these guys are going and understanding that this is going to be a unique platform yeah. And and they want to do the right thing with it. So I think we're going to see a lot of guys doing, you know, some some interesting things.
0: No, definitely. Uh, Jalen Brown said something almost exactly like that, I think, yesterday. He was talking about how he was pretty, not, pretty reluctant to agree to go down to the restart back when the rumor was getting floated that it might be a bubble thing in early May, and then George Floyd was killed. And then he realized that the platform that he could use is way, you know, it's bigger than him and bigger than all of us. So, like you said, I think a lot of guys are going to be using it in, you know, a lot of eyes are going to be on the Pelicans, and Zion definitely knows that as much as everybody
1: else. Absolutely. And I think that they're definitely a team that's going to be very interesting, man. because I think the talent they have is going to put them in a position to make a run, but they're just so young. And I think that's what I caution a lot of Pelicans fans. They look on paper and say, now we got Zion, we've got B.I., we've got Drew, you know, we're ready to kind of go against any of these teams. And I'll say, you know, what we've learned throughout the, the history of the NBA is young teams struggle in these type of environments. So I think it's going to be so interesting to see the balance of man. Zion is really tough to deal with, but he just turned 20 years old. So it's going to be really interesting to see how he, he kind of, you know, adapts to this environment.
0: Definitely. And then you were talking about that balance when it comes to Zion. One of the many things that Alvin Gentry and the coaching staff down there is going to have to balance is, you know, letting Zion completely off the leash there completely out, just let him completely go But also keeping in mind that, you know, while it's been month, month, months wise, it's been a while, but he's still kind of, you know, he had that torn meniscus and the worries about his body have been rampant since he was at Duke. What do you see as far as the minutes side of things go for Zion? Do you think the coaching staff is pretty much going to give him free reign here or are they going to try to limit it to like something close to what his minutes restriction was back when he was just getting started in February or January, I think?
1: Yeah, I think they're going to keep him right around where he was toward the end of the shutdown or when the shutdown happened. But I think uh, I think for them, they wouldn't look at it as a, a minutes restriction. I think they really like to play him in those short bursts. I think similar to what we see from uh, Giannis with the Milwaukee Bucks, I think they feel like with his style of play and with the, the amount of effort he plays with, the, uh, you know, the pace that they play at, they feel like if they can keep him to around those six- to eight-minute bursts, that they can get the most out of him. So I think they will argue that that's not necessarily a minutes restriction. Uh, I think for the most of this Pelicans team, they want to limit guys' minutes going into the bubble, knowing that it's been so long since since they played and they haven't had much time to prepare. So I think overall for the New Orleans team, you're going to see a lot of these guys' minutes drop. I wouldn't be surprised. But for uh, Zion, I think they feel like uh, when he's playing with the most effort, uh, I think when he's thinking less about you know pacing himself, they feel like he's the most effective, especially when he's, you know, catching those half-court lobs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's posting up people and throwing his body around. I feel like when he he, he gets a little fatigued, he's not, he doesn't play the same way. So they want to keep him in the short burst. And that's what way didn't get the most out of him and playing with that second unit as well.
0: Yeah, that sounds about right. And like you said, the short burst thing is uh, going to be pretty big, especially with everybody sort of getting back to game shape there. And if he can, play in those short bursts harder than everybody else, which from what we saw before is absolutely the case, then they'll be pretty well off. And then his number two, hopefully for a long time in New Orleans, I'd imagine the front office is hoping, is Brandon Ingram. The kid has been outstanding this year. He really evolved a lot as a scorer. Uh, what are you expecting to see from him in the playoffs here? Or, well, man, I, I think
1: yeah, not he's going to be one of the... Yeah, I think he's going to be one of the biggest wild cards for sure because I think when we think of playoff basketball and you know, what Kawhi Leonard what he was able to do last year, what we've seen LeBron do year in and year out in the playoffs, I think we look at B.I.'s profile, and he's kind of that kind of guy. Not to say he's of that talent, but he's the big wing who's capable of creating shots for himself and can hit those mid-range shots, those pull-up threes, late in games. Uh, like I said, the kind of guys we've seen that year in and year out, he kind of fits that profile in a lot of ways, so I think it's going to be interesting to see how much he can kind of live up to that once we get there. We know how much he's grown as a scorer this year. I think it's been his overall game, which has been really interesting. It's not necessarily him mastering his off-the-dribble game. It's more him becoming a better three-point shooter and a better free-throw shooter and being better off the ball, so I think it's going to be interesting to see how much the Pelicans can lean on him late in games to create shots for himself and others. Cause if he can grow in that area, I think it's going to be really scary to have him and Zion late in games because both of them are really just like a matchup nightmares because of the size and the way they're built. is so unique at their position.
0: Yeah. The one thing Ingram can do that Williamson can't is shoot over literally anybody. So it'll be interesting yeah. to watch him do that. And I, He's always a blast to watch. But looking forward a couple months here, I think, you know, from where I'm sitting, it's extremely unlikely that he steps a foot out in New Orleans. But when he hits the restricted free agent market, do you see the Pelicans immediately just offering him max money, or do you think they're going to let him explore a little bit and see what kind of deals he'll get on the open market?
1: Yeah, in my mind, I think they're going to jump on him early. I think they want to get that out the way and kind of send a message mm-hmm. that he's a part of their foundation moving forward. I think that's what they try to sell to him the entire season, and and I think it's really interesting how they've been able to do that despite, you know, turning down the opportunity to sign him to an extension before the year. I think we've seen in the past how that's kind of backfired against other teams that were reluctant to give out that that max extension before uh, a guy reaches restricted free agency, and I think it says a lot. What we've heard Brandon Ingram say over and over again, again, we heard uh, on a Zoom call yesterday, him say, I feel comfortable where I'm at. I like where I'm at, but uh, he said, I think we're going to worry about free agency once the season is over. Uh, but I think the Pelicans have done a lot to sell to him that he can win here and, and they're, they're building a foundation that he can really feel comfortable with going forward. And I think he's a guy that just likes this environment probably more than that red hot L.A., you know, the spotlight and all of the, the superstars sitting courts. I think he's a guy that just wants to go to the gym every day and work. And, and I think this New Orleans field kind of fits him more than anything.
0: Definitely, and then the other big part of that Anthony Davis trade is Lonzo Ball, who's also up for an extension this summer. Do you see them taking the same route they did with Ingram, where they uh, don't you're gonna sit on the extension talks for a little bit until they see more of what Ball's got?
1: Yeah, I think that's going to be the most interesting part of the offseason is how they handle uh, Lonzo. He's going to be extension eligible uh, going into the offseason, so uh, I think they feel like, him, his fit with this team, uh, they love it. They love you know, him as that fast-paced point guard that can feed Zion, can feed B.I., and we've seen his growth in the second half of the year. i say it over and over again. I think it was the best story on the team the second half of the year. His growth from the first half to the second half and the way his jump shot improved and his overall comfort as the leader on offense. Uh, I think it changed everything for the team offensively and then once you threw Zion into the mix, Uh, the the chemistry they have, we kind of saw it from day one. And I think it's going to be perfect for this team moving forward. It's just a matter of how much money do you spend on a guy like that? Who's not going to get you 20 a night, you know, who Mm -hmm. plays a very unique style, uh, but I think he fits really well into what they have. So I think they're going to try to find him to extension for sure. Uh, But it's going to be interesting to see how much Lonzo is willing to bet on himself, knowing how well he fits with this core and how much, they're going to need him, especially, you know, depending on how they handle the Drew Holiday situation as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, if we know anything about the Ball family, they definitely believe in themselves. So I bet on Lonto betting on <laughs> here for a little bit. But yeah, that will be uh, it's a lot of, it's an exciting time to be a New Orleans Pelicans fan. I'm honestly, I mean, I'm a Celtics fan, so it's not like, you know, I have a lot to pine after, but still a lot of fun down there. Sounds like a lot of good stuff are going on. Now we go on to some little quick hitter questions for you. This next one is an important one. I'm really interested to hear your answer, and I will be remembering it. What is your favorite place okay. to eat in New Orleans?
1: Oh, wow. You hit me with it right off the bat. I, 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 I'm a big fan of uh, seafood. Uh, of course, I'm from New Orleans, so I'll I, 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 I call out uh, Drago's is one of my top spots. You got to hit it if you're in New Orleans. And I love, you know, just uh, my local spot. I got a shout out. Zimmer is right here down the street from me. Got the I call the best pool boy in the city, so I'm outside to Zimmers. And of course, if you're just trying to get some crawfish, man, go right over there in New Orleans East Cast Best crawfish you can find.
0: Fantastic. As soon as I'm down in New Orleans, after everything settles down here, I'm going to every one of those places. I was so excited to ask that question. <laughs> you didn't even give me one, you gave me three. There we go. Beautiful stuff, Will. Beautiful stuff. Uh, what is your favorite basketball
1: memory? My favorite basketball memory, Oh uh, man, that's a tough one. I, I think I got to go with, um, hmm, that's a tough one. I'm a huge North Carolina fan, so I was able to witness, you know, let me, let me stun a little bit. I was able to witness several championships during my time as a North Carolina fan, <laughs> uh, but I got to go with my first one with uh, Sean May and Rash, uh, Rashad McCants and Raymond Felton. I remember that was the first team I remember following those guys. Mm-hmm. When they first got there as freshmen, all the way until when they won, I remember I was so hyped after they won that game. And that's when they used to still come out with the NCAA basketball games on the PlayStation. So I remember I used to play with them. And then those guys went, man, I was super hyped and I was early in my family. So I got to go with that one.
0: That's definitely a good one. Um, and so this question you can draw from any of your past career experiences. What is, if there's one that stands out in particular, or maybe a couple, what's the favorite story that you've ever written?
1: My favorite story I've ever written, I probably got to go with, um, I got to talk to a bunch of people around uh, Julius Randle, which is an interesting name because I got to cover all these different guys in New Orleans, but Julius Randle was one that I got to get some unique access and I got to talk to, like, his mom and a couple people around his family and some of his old coaches. And, man, just uh, hearing his story and how much he went through coming up and we know about him, you know, breaking his leg his first year in L.A., but he also had another injury when he was in high school and some family stuff. And I think being able to tell a story uh, about a guy like that was really fun for me, especially that was, you know, literally my first story with the Athletic. Uh, so being able to get that access was really cool, and I enjoy it right now one a lot. And I think Julius is a good dude, man. Uh, I really hope he finds some success, even though he's stuck on a terrible Knicks team right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, he is marooned over there, but he's being compensated very well for that marooning. So I think he's doing all right. Yeah, they got
1: they got him and my guy Alfred Payton, who was a New Orleans guy as well. So we got to find a way to get them out of New York so they can <laughs> win a couple games. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we'll see about that. You know, if the Knicks were smart, they would have shipped them off four months ago. But, oh, well. What are you going to do? Um, what's something about this job that you feel like other people don't know or they don't really understand?
1: Oh, man, that um, that it is actually a job. <laughs> I think, like, we they hear us say stuff like, man, it's really cool to go work and watch basketball games. And it is. It's a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong. I love it. I get to experience so many different cool things, and I got to, you know, be at so many games that were crazy. I got to be at the first Anthony Davis in the World game, which was insane. I got to be at the game where Zion hit four threes in the fourth quarter, his debut, which was crazy. But, you know, it's a lot of late nights, the travel, and then after the game's over, everybody wants to hit you up and text you about the game, but it's like, nah, I got to actually start right now. You know, I'm in here, you know, interviewing people, you know, so we all all enjoy the game, but I got to start working right now. This is when the work happens. So I I think that's what what people sleep on is just that, you know, it's a real 24-7 thing. You never know why vultures going to drop something on you. And Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, well, my day is canceled now, and I'm writing about this. Uh, So uh, I think there's the fact that we actually are working, and it's not just all, you know, watching Zion shoot half-court shots at practice every day. (laughs)
0: <laughs> definitely yeah woj Bomb has a little bit of a different meaning for those in the business than it is for your casual fan that's for sure yes uh and then finally what's one thing about the job that you got that you wish you knew back when you know you were right at the tail end of your high school career there and you were like all right i want to be a sports writer What's one is there anything you wish you knew back when you were starting out
1: it's not simple but i, I think relationships uh really important and you know me uh, I, i'm i'm of course different than a lot of people but i'm not the you know go to parties and shake hands and hey my name's will Guillory, and you know i'm more of the just chill laid back and the cut type of guy and i don't think you have to be you know forward hey smiling people's faces to be successful in this business mm-hmm. uh, but i do think it's really important just to kind of step out of your comfort zone sometimes and talk to people that maybe you didn't grow up around or you maybe don't relate to as much, but you got to be able to kind of stretch yourself out and, and kind of uh, just develop relationships and have people comfortable talking to you. Cause you never know which relationship might help you out or which person might speak to you at the right time. Uh, just because, uh, man, it, it's crazy, especially once you get to the point you're covering the NBA, and there's people from all over the world in this business and grow up from all different you know types of lifestyles and different parts of the country. I think, You got to be able to just understand people and talk to people in any environment because you never know. And I think that's really important. And I think I started developing that as I grew. Uh, But I think the the more comfortable you are doing that and being able to network and talk to to different types of people, I think, is going to benefit you tremendously in this business.
0: That's, yeah, great advice. Very well put. Any uh, prospective reporters out there listening, take some close notes for these things from our friend will will that'll be it i really appreciate you taking the time man i hope you uh, stay safe and healthy and we are so close to having basketball back it almost hurts so i'm really looking forward to that and looking forward to see uh, what you're going to be putting out when it the- does restart
1: thank you man i appreciate you for having me on and i'm counting down the days i cannot wait it's gonna be summer league with lebron and Giannis. i, I can't even believe
0: it <laughs> oh it's gonna be great and thank you listener as always for tuning in i'm your host lee McEwen. signing off